Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hour number two, Sunday get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mac coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios when you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket Cash. All right, uh, NFL action for the next uh, 15 minutes or so. We'll put any of the college basketball aside, kind of like what North Carolina's done to St. Peter's here, but I digress. Um, My next guest came on with me a couple of weeks ago, and that was prior to Deshaun Watson being traded to the Cleveland Browns, but he gave us some damn good insights about what could or would happen and time frame and everything else, and he was pretty much right, except maybe for the destination, which none of us really saw Cleveland coming, but we'll find out how it did come together and what the reaction has been in Houston since. The longtime lead columnist in the NFL for the Houston Chronicle, Hall of Fame voter John McClain joins me here on CBS Sports Radio. Johnny Mack, keeping you busy down there during the offseason, huh? Yeah, it's been busy 14 and a half months. Uh, the Deshaun Watson ordeal went on from the time he issued his trade demand to the 22 civil suits for sexual assault and misconduct until the trade and the news conference in Cleveland. So uh, next time that I'll be spending a lot of time on Deshaun Watson will be before the Browns come to Houston. And I hope the schedule makers put it in December because if he's suspended, I'd hate to see the Browns come here without him. I I didn't even realize that those two teams were scheduled to play this year. Uh, that that does lend itself to an interesting afternoon in Houston. And, oh, I think the NFL might just do something like that. But we'll have to wait and see on that. All right. First question. And it's almost a question that is so obvious that you shouldn't have to answer it. Gotta make, I'm going to make you answer it anyway. How did Cleveland end up with Deshaun Watson? Because when you were on with me a couple weeks ago, they'd started the process of taking offers from various teams if Deshaun would agree to meet with them. And Cleveland got in and then got out and then got back in and got the player. How did it all come down? Well, if you listen to Watson at his news conference, he'd say it had nothing to do with money. He blamed the media for forcing him to make a decision before he was ready, which, of course, is a crock. It's always about the money. Jody, as you know, $230 million guaranteed. Anybody would have taken that contract, and so that's why the Browns got him. Now, truthfully, the Browns have a much better roster than Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta, but he's staying in the AFC, and right now I know, and I think you do and everybody else knows, I've never seen the NFL have one conference so much more better than the other one. And so it might have been better for him to get to the Super Bowl, go to one of the other teams 
than to go to the Browns because that competition is going to be fierce. Agreed that the AFC right now has kind of distanced themselves from the NFC overall talent pool, but it only takes one in the Rams. I thought the AFC was better in the NFC this past year, too, but the Rams ended up winning the Super Bowl, so you never really know. All right, um, it was all about the money. You're right, it's all about the money. It was for uh, Watson. Did Houston get what it wanted? Uh, was know, there a maybe. trade that they would have preferred out there for another team and just said, well, but he's got the hammer of the no-trade clause. we got to do the best we can do and accept it. Uh, did they get enough for him? Did, do the Texans believe they got enough in for him in return? Well, I think without question they got, they got as much as they could get, six picks, three number ones. They have five picks in the first three rounds this year, five picks in the thir- first three rounds next year as those picks stand now. But when Nick Casario was having to negotiate with both hands tied behind his back because of no trade clause, if Carolina had said, okay, we'll give you five number ones and we'll give you defensive end Brian Burns and safety Jeremy Chen, and, of course, Casario would make that deal. But, nope, Watson could have said no. He's only going to Cleveland. And the only thing they could have done would be to call his bluff and say, you either go where we want you to go or you sit out another season and we'll pay you 35 million not to play as we paid you 10.54 million not to play last season but the problem with that Jody he wouldn't have been as valuable after two inactive seasons and also they needed that return to put toward phase two of their rebuild which is this season so I think Nick Casario getting the 13th overall pick was good what the Texans have to hope for next year, I mean, next season, is he gets suspended for a lot of games. And then with Jacoby Brissett, they lose more than they would have with Watson to make that 2023 first-round pick to be higher. So the Texan fans, rightfully so, will be rooting against Deshaun Watson next year for no other reason to improve that second first-round pick they'll cash in from Cleveland. Uh, give me the pulse of the people. John, I know you know it as well as anybody down there. Sports talk radio, blogs, uh, responses to you on social media or on your column. Um, good riddance to bad rubbish. We didn't get enough in exchange for him. Uh, hope we never see him again. Can't wish him any more ill will going out of town. Uh, the Cleveland reaction was certainly going to be a very interesting one. I hadn't given enough thought to the Houston reaction. How is the Texans fan base handling the departure of Deshaun Watson? First of all, Jody, let's go back to when he said he wanted to be traded after the 2020 season. The fans were mad at the Texans for being so bad and making him want to be traded. And then as time went on, the civil suits piled up. You know, there were 22 civil suits. There were two other women who talked to Sports Illustrated, did not join those. So that's 24. His attorney produced 18 who said he was a perfect gentleman when getting massages. So that's 42 that we know about. And, you know, there's got to be others that didn't want to come forward. And uh, so that's a lot. And i got to hand it to the Cleveland media. They did a great job asking the tough questions. And I kind of thought and when he was brought out there that the Browns might say, look, because of legal purposes, he can't answer anything about the lawsuits. But they didn't, and they let everybody hammer him. And at times, he was struggling. He was awkward. He stumbled. But that's what you would expect. 
So by this point, the fact that it's over, fans here are just relieved. They got tired of hearing about it, reading about it. They didn't want it to go on anymore. They want now to move on with the draft choices and see what Nick Casario can get with the picks. Uh, that is well understood. One thing I didn't understand, and again, judging by social media, national sports talk shows and the like, I couldn't believe that people, after Deshaun Watson said what he did in his press conference, were surprised that he said it. How could he dare say so? What is he thinking about saying that there's no regrets? What did you think he was going to say? As soon as you know they were going to be able to ask questions, he was going to say, I didn't do it. I'm innocent. He's still got 22 lawsuits hanging over his head. There was no way he was going to reach out for a mea culpa and say he was sorry for anything. Why were people surprised? You might not like what he said, but I sure as hell saw it coming down Broad Street. Why were people surprised by what he said? Jody, I guarantee you when he meets with Roger Cordell, he's going to say he's got regrets, and he should have regrets. I thought he was going to say, yeah, I got regrets. My my name has got a stain on it. He used the word stain. My reputation is tarnished, and I put myself in some bad situations, and I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, he said he was innocent. He'd never shown any disrespect or did anything. You know, he didn't wasn't asked the question, well, why then? Would 22 women tell almost the same story in their lawsuits? And I've read those lawsuits three times, and there is some despicable accusations in there by many of them. And so I think he would have regrets, and I thought he would say yes just about the entire situation and how it's it's ended up, but not, of course, say anything about uh, guilt because he's going to swear all the way to the grave he was innocent. I do not know how they will not settle. They had 18 of the 22 settled on January, on November the 1st before the trade deadline the next day. Couldn't close off 22 of them as Stephen Ross, the Miami owner, wanted. And now, of course, your income goes up $230 million. It's going to be more expensive. But there's nothing right now, Jody, to keep some of his accusers from talking to the Cleveland media and telling their stories all over again like they've done in Houston. And so at some point, he's got to want to put it behind him. And I'm guessing for 230 mil guaranteed, if I'm the Browns, I would say, look, Deshaun, you can handle it any way you want, but we want this in your rearview mirror when the season starts. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, And I talked about this on my show last night because I took calls on both sides, people going, what happened to innocent proven guilty in this country, and others going, I'm turning in my Cleveland Brown jerseys and fandom, and I've been a fan for 35 years. As expected, people are coming down on both sides of this. The thing that I would need to know if I were to come down on either side yet is, you need to make a decision for yourself. If he settles these lawsuits— and we all know there'll be no low contendery. There'll be an NDA attached, and the person won't be able to speak about it afterwards if they want to cash the check. But if he's settling, to me, that is at least in part admitting guilt. And he wasn't admitting guilt to anything the other day when he had his press conference. Will he be able to get by this after he settles all this? Will he be able to just put it behind him? Do you think Cleveland fans will buy that at all? I think that he's got a percentage of Cleveland fans that are still waiting to see what happens here. If he settles, isn't that his admitting guilt? Uh, Well, you can look at it any way you want. A lot of people settle because they want to put something 
behind them. They don't want to go through the possibility of a court case. And he could have 22 different suits, lawsuits going to court. That could take years. He could be put on Roger Goodell's exempt list till that investigative is completed. And he might not even play this season. That's not even talking about the suspension. That's why he's got to put it behind him so he can wait and see what Goodell is going to do after he meets with him in New York. And, and that's what he should say. I wanted to put it behind me. It's been going on for over a year, and I want to focus on football and try to win for the great fans of Cleveland and try to win the first championship here since 1964, the first division title since 1989 for the fans. And he's still going to get blasted, just like Ben Roethlisberger did, just like Tyreek Hill, Frank Clark, uh, Joe Mixon, uh, uh, Leonard Little, all these guys that did things, got in trouble, they were pariahs, and then once it was put behind them, then fans gave him standing ovations. Agreed on that. If he is uh, leading the uh, Browns to the playoffs and winning when he gets there, yes, uh, somehow this will get put on the back burner. But that was very interesting what you said. I want to follow up on that. Do you think Roger Goodell will give him that cover, that he will be allowed to say, listen, I had to settle these because the NFL said that if I didn't, they were going to implement the penalty starting this year, and as long as these suits were hanging over my head, they were not going to reinstate me. And my main goal is to get back on the football field and win games for the Cleveland Browns. If he says it, he's going to have to have Goodell okay it because otherwise Goodell's going to stand up and say, excuse me, what? I didn't say that. We never had that conversation. Would the NFL actually give him that kind of cover to allow him to settle all the suits? No, absolutely not. There's no way Roger Goodell's going to say something like that. The ball's in Watson's court in the court of the defendants, the 22 women, and Goodell's not going to tell him settle. All Goodell's going to want to do when he completes his investigation, they've been waiting for the Houston police investigation. That was over two weeks ago when the grand jury uh, decided not to indict. And then the second grand jury on one case decided not to indict. And a lot of people think that means he's innocent. No, that means that the prosecutors in both counties didn't think there was enough evidence to, uh, to convict him. And so did the grand juries. They could have thought he was guilty but they didn't think there was enough evidence. So uh, that's why they know build it. So I think that he should settle, even though his attorney said he won't do it, and even though Tony Busby represents the 22 clients, he has said they're not going to settle. Well, that's what they said last year, and they did everything they could to settle before the trading deadline. So I still believe, Jody, that's the way it's going to end up, and I think Goodell will wait and uh, make his decision and then give him a lengthy suspension suspension and then he will appeal it maybe get it knocked down to six games or four games but i think he will definitely be suspended fair enough um now you're i think you are as clued in tied in uh as anyone who isn't actually in the locker room and in the executive offices with the thinking of the organization and you've told me on several different occasions they really do like Davis Mills, and they're going forward with them as their starting quarterback this year. Okay, I'll buy that, but do they really believe he's going to be their quarterback for the next decade? If a quarterback is there, first round, second round, third round, at some point during this upcoming draft, they've got a lot of draft capital to use. Will any of it be used on the quarterback position? Yeah, I doubt it. They really like Mills. Now, 
nobody really knows if a guy after he shines for five games at the end of the year, if he's going to be there 10 years from now, all they're doing is giving him a chance for next season. And they won't come out and say it publicly. And I know why, you know, they'll say, well, we really like him. He did this, 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 but I'll guarantee you, Nick Casario's trying to make people think, well, you know what? We may take a quarterback at three. We may take a quarterback at 13 and hope somebody goes, oh, my goodness, let's trade with the Texans and get ahead of so-and-so or keep them from and get a couple extra draft choices. So I know Davis Mills is their starting quarterback. And considering over the last five games of the season, he was the best rookie quarterback by far, second best to Mac Jones for the season. I wrote a column this week comparing him at the end of the season and Mac Jones. There was no comparison. Uh, Mills was better. But uh, they need so many other things around him. When I look at what he did at the end of the year with the worst running back, with the worst running game in franchise history, the worst in the NFL, that just makes it more impressive. Mac Jones had a running game. He had a defense. Texans had neither for Davis Mills. All right. You've said this is stage two of the Texans rebuild. Okay, got that. Um, they hit on a couple of free agents. Malik Collins, I thought, was a nice signing, but they've also taken some lower money type deals on these players. Um, do you like what they've done in free agency so far this year? No, not really. The one that I didn't like much of what they did last year either. I understood what they were doing. They were not spending a lot of money because they know they're not going to compete for the playoffs. And so this is the second year they're doing it. Next year they're going to be more than $100 million under under the cap. And Nick Casario even pointed that out. So I think they're not going to do like Jacksonville and try to win March. But he will spend more money for better players in free agency last year. You mentioned defensive tackle Blake Collins, linebacker Camus Bruce-Hill, and cornerback Desmond King. All those guys showed enough to get more new contracts this year, and Lovey Smith likes them on his defense. Now, they still have a lot of needs, Jody. They have to start with their running game, as I mentioned, was awful. Their best running back is Rex Burkhead. He should be the third back. They need two. They need a pass rusher. They need a safety. They're destitute. When people ask me if I if the draft were today, who I would have them taking at three, I would say safety Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, he's a damn good player. I'm kind of hoping he falls down to the Jets. I don't want to hear him going number three to you guys, but you got to take what you get. All right, uh, you mentioned Lovey Smith. How has he handled the job since he's been named the new coach of the Texans? Well, it's Lovey's third head coaching job. And the last eight years in Chicago, he was 24 games over 500, went to a Super Bowl coach in here, had, went 10 and 6 and got fired, goes to the Bucks, takes over a terrible team, has the worst record, gets, goes 2 and 14, gets Jameis Winston, starts him as a rookie, and they improve by four wins, and he gets fired. And he said, I have unfinished business as a head coach. He has been a calming influence on this organization. It was almost out of control. Constant embarrassment, losing, former players complaining. And once they hired Lovey and he had his initial news conference and they had a lot of former players there talking about Lovey, I think people kind of came off the edge of the ledge and thought, well, maybe this is best for the next two or three years and we'll see how they develop. But Lovey, you know, he knows he's fortunate to get this opportunity. And I know the McNair family it knows they're fortunate to have him in their time of need to keep Jack Easterby from forcing 
Josh McCown down their throats as a head coach without any coaching experience, which was the direction that they were going. Which yeah, that's a good point. I was going to ask you another question, so now you got two more questions. What's going to happen with McCown? You know, you wrote it. I read you writing it. I had my opinions. It looked like he was going to get the job, even with the no experience. And then at the last minute, they kind of turned to Lovey and went in that direction. But it doesn't mean they still don't like like McCown. Is he going to work for the Texans? Is he going to go take another coaching job to get some coaching chops? What's going to happen with McCown this year? They were prepared to hire him as a head coach, and his only experience was in high school. Everything was ready to go. And then they pull the rug out from under him. He could have come here and worked in a, and worked his way up. But I think, and I, I don't know this, Jody, but if I thought I was going to be a head coach and my family thought I was going to be a head coach and he yanked the rug out for me and then wanted me to come work for him, I would say uh, no. So his last year he coached at a high school in East Texas in which his oldest son was a starting quarterback and his youngest son was the backup. The, the oldest went to Colorado. The youngest is now the starter, so I'm guessing he'll go back to that high school and coach. But whenever he wants to join a coaching staff, coaches, there's a lot of coaches who will offer Josh McCown a job starting off as a position coach and working his way up. But I'd be surprised if it's going to be here. Fair enough. All right, uh, last thing, the spinning carousel of quarterbacks in the league swung faster and maybe more so than ever before any offseason. You've done this a long time. I don't remember as many top-flight quarterbacks changing teams as happened this offseason. It certainly slowed down, but I don't know if it stopped because we don't know where Baker Mayfield is going to end up yet. Give us a Baker prediction. Who is he going to be quarterbacking next year as either a starter or a backup? Well, first of all, we don't know where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be, and I don't think we will for a while because he has shoulder surgery. Nobody's going to make a deal with him coming off shoulder surgery at Labrum, and so they may end up trading him right before the season or when some team loses their starter in preseason or early in the season. If I'm Baker Mayfield, I call Pete Carroll and John Snyder, and I say, I will fly to Seattle to meet with you guys and I won't try to get a new contract. I'll play out my contract. I'll let me prove to you what I can do with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett at wide receiver and Noah Fant at tight end and Rashad Penny back at running back. Penny averaged 132 yards rushing over the last five games. He had the second most yards over that stretch than Jonathan Taylor. Any quarterback should want to work with that offense, and that's what I'd do if I was Baker. Mayfield. I'd swallow my pride and I'd be proactive and I'd go there and look him in the eye and tell him that. Now, maybe he'll end up at Carolina, you know, maybe someplace like that. But if I'm a quarterback, you're not going to find an offense with more talent or more versatility than the Seahawks should have with those two receivers tied in and running back. The reason why I think you could be onto something there is we've had the two of the top receivers already traded this offseason. Seattle trades Russell Wilson, so it looks like they're starting a rebuild. Yet DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockhart are still there. wonder why. Maybe because they are going to try and get a quarterback and be competitive again this year, and that might be a Baker fit. Uh, John Mack, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much. Always love whenever we get you on. Thanks for doing it for us tonight. Jody Mack, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, and have a great week. That is John McClain from the Houston Chronicle Hall of Fame voter, veteran columnist for uh, 
Houston all the way back to his early days. And now he's the guy who gets the best information out of the Texans and gave us good information there tonight. I right, Jody Mack coming back. Got to get the phones reopened. Yeah, in case you didn't catch it, final score, North Carolina 69, St. Peter's 49. Yeah, so Cinderella's story has ended. The chariot turned, the chariot turned back into a pumpkin, and she didn't hitch a ride anywhere else. Uh, 20-point Carolina win, so we are set on the final four. Duke, North Carolina, first time ever in the NCAA tournament on Coach K's last ride. That should be good, too. You want to talk about today's games? You want to look at the next week's games? That's cool. You want to talk about the NFL and the quarterback carousel and the wide receivers? We can do that. I still got a baseball point and an NBA point that I want to get in. Come back, reopen the phones. Hit me up, 855-212-4227. Get you on with the back, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 